Welcome to Miss Dear Creations. This is part one of a two-spirit journey. Today, I'm speaking with Manej Kabe, a two-spirit elder of the Beaver Clan in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Welcome, Mane. Uh, I'm glad to have you on on the on the show. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, two spirits and issues with that, as well as about you yourself. Uh, and uh, we'll see what we what we can get into today. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I am Mane Shikabe. I live in Thunder Bay, Ontario. I am a beaver clan and I am a two-spirit elder. I call myself two-spirit elder because I wrote a book, A Two-Spirit Journey. And uh, then people know me as that. But before that, I was working with, uh, I did a lot of jobs, different jobs, like AIDS committee. I was an AIDS committee person for a long time. Excellent. I did social work for a long time. I did work. I've been working with families and and single people individually before, just on my own. I didn't get paid for that. I just, I just always been busy working with people, not expecting anything. I just want to make sure, and I'm an activist. I fight for my the rights of my people and myself. That's excellent. I do a lot of fighting. <laughs> so people call me trouble now. Uh, well, it's not trouble as much as trying to get done what's right. To Yeah, to for them it's trouble. Yeah. Oh, here comes trouble. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so I've been reading your book, your your biography, basically, uh, uh, a little bit. And uh, in you, you talk about your early your early years and uh, having to spend a lot of time alone in the woods and that and the special relationship. Can you elaborate a little bit about that experience for us, please? Oh, definitely. I used to, um, uh, well, when there was, uh, I think I was about seven when I started going out in the bushes all by myself. Maybe I was six. I just got away from people that was drinking and acting stupidly and unreasonable people. So I started hanging out in a bush all by myself. My grandmother used to tell me that it was the safest place to be. Yes. She was right. <laughs> and uh, she told me that in the bush, you're safer than you are with people. It's true most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so I did a lot of that hanging out in the bush, getting to know the animals. And being friends with them. Yeah, being friends with them, you know. Yeah. Getting to know them. And mostly, uh, I love being in the bush because I felt like the trees was talking to me all the time. The trees, the bush. I felt safe there. Yeah. 
you you were talking about uh, how the trees would speak to you and I felt safe with them with the trees of anything the bush make me feel safer to be there so that's what I did a lot of time because I grew up in an alcoholic home people were drinking all the time and the only reason why I stay, stayed around the house once in a while was my grandmother she was really really old yeah, and she was raising me and looking after me. But uh, you know, I used to hide her, take her away from the floor, put her outside, put her. I'm, I made we made a space for her. Like I got a guy to help me to build a little area where I could leave my grandmother. It's like a tent, like a dome tent. Yeah, but we created it ourselves. Start off with trees and bushes, and then I put the material with the sticks and that. And then, uh, so I would take her there, and she would be safe there all by herself with her little bag, okay, bag of whatever she carried around. So, and she would lay there and relax, and nobody would step on her because she was easy to either step on her or people will come crashing on her if they fight they're gonna hurt her so that's how I protected my grandmother okay and then I went in the bush all by myself and hung out I would go check up on her all the time give her some woodlings and give her some tea she always asked for tea and made sure I had enough bannock for her to eat yeah she did that for me so but I guess I was returning the favor without knowing it I just know she was like my mom that's how I knew her as when I was growing up as my mom because I never know my real mom yeah and then my real mom came into our lives and she did not like me we didn't like each other so even though we were introduced and told me that I, she was my mother, but I still consider my grandmother as my mom. She was the one that, that gave you the base of your life. Everything. Everything. Almost, almost felt like she birthed me herself because I was a baby when she started looking after me. Yeah. Because my mom gave me up for adoption. Yeah. When I was born. And then she heard about it and she fought for the ad adoption. Before it went through, she finally found me. So, And the people felt sorry for her because, well, this old lady has been chasing, looking for her granddaughter. We might as well give it back to her. Yeah. Can, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your grandmother, about her history? She came from Saskatchewan Prairie somewhere originally and then ended up in Atawabaskat. How the hell did they do that? I don't know how they did it, but she ended up in Atawabaskat and she met her husband from, uh, he was from Quebec across the lake on Hudson Bay. Yes. My grandmother was on this side of the Hudson Bay. My grandfather was on the French side of the Hudson Bay. And on his journey, he 
he was on his journey with his dad and his mom's already dead. So his dad was dying and they were doing the journey to go up James Bay coast on my mother, grandmother's side, which would be this side. And then uh, he, they fell in love when they saw each other somehow. My grandmother said she really liked him and he really liked her. And when he came back three years later from that journey, he stayed behind and said goodbye to his dad. And he stayed behind and married her. Excellent. Yeah. Love it. So for my yeah, my grandmother really loved him. She was from Saskatchewan area. She said she lived in, uh, all of her family got slaughtered. Her and her brother and two, uh, her brother and another little girl survived. Three kids survived of all the stuff they went through. Yeah. Three kids survived. They were only four years old. Her brother was three. And the other girl was four, they were around the same age, and they all both lost their families. So then uh, somebody picked them up and they ended up in James Bay. That's uh, journeyed. Yeah. yeah. She said she grew up and every year they would be moving, going towards Atlantica, be moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she she experienced a lot. Yes. A lot of yeah, she experienced a lot of cold weather. Yeah. As they would park themselves up in the summertime. I mean, you know, they would travel a lot in the summer, but in the winter they would camp out for the rest till spring. Then they would do their journey again. Yeah. So they would journey from spring till the fall, wherever they were going. They didn't know where they were going. Meanwhile, they were they ended up in Adwabiskat, James Bay coast on on this side of Ontario. Yeah. If you look at the map, you will notice. Uh, I think you will notice um, the ones. On the north side of the lake, uh, no, west side of the lake. Okay. West and south side of west and south. Then the east and the north is across James Bay. If you look at James Bay, the mouth of the river. Yeah. Both of them. She said she was on this side of the coast. That's where they. That's that that itself from James the coast around that curve. She said the coast from there to one of the rivers, big river that flows into Lansdowne House. Yeah. She said that takes from from that river to that corner of the ocean. She said that takes almost I think almost two years or one year to to go over there. Wow, that's that's quite that's a journey. A, yeah, that's a long journey for them, and they're only paddling by the boat. Yeah, so they have to winter, winter, stay put in winter, and then travel again in the summer. 
because as soon as it gets cold, it really gets cold in that area. Yeah. It never freezes, she said. The lake never freezes, but they're almost freezing themselves, so they would have to stay in one place. Yeah, otherwise uh, exposure would set in and, and they'd be gone. So that's, that's the history of my grandmother. Yeah. Now, your, your, your mother gave birth to you, had to give you up for adoption. Your grandmother uh, sought you out. Uh, and in, in the book, you, you said that you didn't, because of growing up in the orphanage a bit, you didn't know uh, your grandmother's language originally, didn't you? She spoke, uh, I think she was a Cree language then. Okay. I just discovered that recently. She's Cree. She yeah. was Cree. Yeah. But the man she married was Ojibwe and French. Okay. So she speak the she spoke uh, all three languages. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and so your your young years, uh, where uh, did you guys move around a lot, or or did you stay in the Ontario? area well i stayed in that one area where i grew up where my grandmother which is called Mbabaka, ontario yes i grew up there uh she was there from that's where they landed from just think from odd river like from lansdowne house river on james bay coast they came all those little rivers all the way to a place called umbabaka railway cn railway line okay so if you look at the map you will see how how many years they must have traveled she she married a guy from there and they had 16 births but most of them died and then they traveled and traveled and when they first she first witnessed was fort hope was having, uh, uh, what was that? Fort Hope was having their first uh, Indian Affairs thing. Yeah. They were making people become Indian Affairs people. Yeah. I don't know what year that was, but. <laughs> I, can, I can look it up and put that in. She was in the signed treaty, then she signed, her husband told, the people there, can you put my wife's name on there to be treaty because I just married her. We just got married, but we're not totally married by the law. We're married, but we did the, we did the native ceremony, but we didn't do it a paper ceremony with the government. So I want my wife to be, uh, to be Shikabe. Her last name is gonna be Shikabe. Kenny Shikabe, I want her to have that last name and then uh, she'll be Indian. Don't take that Indian rights away from her because we're not really, we don't have the papers to prove where we got married. He, he told that those people. So they did that. So my grandmother was registered as Indian woman from uh, Lansdowne House area or Fort Hope area. Last down, I guess, and then Fort Hope, all that region there. Yeah. And then when she 
came here. I didn't have any status card then for a long time until, because uh, I was in treaty for a long time until they, I think recent years when I finally got treaty. Yes. They didn't bother with the paperwork. They just took me and kept me, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, going on as you grew up, uh, what challenges did you face? Well, lots of challenges like alcoholism with my family, except for my grandmother never drank in her life. She did smoke once in a while, but it wasn't like the cigarettes we do. It was like pipe, pipe, but she did it out of praying. Yes. So she did that. That's the only time I ever saw her smoke is when she was praying to God, whatever it was out there she was praying to. And then my, the rest of my family, well, they'd smoked and drank and gone crazy and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I have hardly no family left except one cousin who lives in Ignis, Ontario, about four or five hours from here. Okay. We're the only two people left, but our kids is the next extension. Her kids and my kids. That's my extension. Yes. None of my kids have my grandmother's last name. I was hoping one of them would, but that's a cutoff, I guess. I'm probably the last person with the last name because my other cousin, she, her dad, she's using her dad's name. Yeah. So I'm the only one who's got my grandmother's name. And my daughter, Maya, she lives in Toronto. Yeah. I adopted her. She's not my real, she's not my blood daughter, but she's my daughter I adopted. I, I adopted her, oh, quite a while ago. And she, her last name is Shakabe, Maya Shakabe. Yeah. And my son, his last name is different and my daughter's last name is different because my daughter got married so she got her married name yes and then my son got his dad his dad's name johnson so that's how it goes there you go <laughs> nobody's got my grandmother's name and <laughs> <laughs> being two spirits in the community you were in did they accept you as that or or did did you have my to... grandmother already knew when I was four years old? She told me that, but people weren't accepted. She told me that people were not accepted anymore. Yeah, the religion, uh, the religion killed it all. She said, Okay, that's how she, well, she didn't say it that way. She said the religion changed everybody's behavior. Yeah, she said once the white people came and then the Jesuit and the black robe people, they started telling all the First Nations that they don't belong, they don't belong anywhere except they belong with this kind of church. Either you belong to this church or that church. Okay. And and if you don't belong to that, then we're you're not gonna get any help from us, you know, stuff like that. They were guilted into something, so they felt guilty, so they had to do it. Because we gave away our land. Our ancestors gave it away. So, 
you're you're stuck uh, having to to deal with the aftermath of that. Yeah. Well, all of us native people, our ancestors did that to us. They didn't do it to us, but I mean, they left it where they thought. And they were drinking and they got sidetracked and they didn't know what they were signing. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Jason from the Paranormal Patio Podcast. Right now you're listening to my good friend AJ's Mystery Creations Podcast, but when you're done, turn the dial a little bit, check out my show too. Head on over to ParanormalPatio.com to find the info on all my episodes where twice a month featured guests and myself tackle the paranormal from every angle that we can think of. We cover everything from aliens to Bigfoot, ghosts, magic, Mothman, goblins, the Fae, anything else in between really. I've interviewed some great people on the show, including Lonnie Scott, Marco Visconti, Lon Strickler, Alan Greenfield, Penny Royal, Katie Webb, Tobias Wayland, Stan Gordon, many more, tons more. So check us out on our website or on social media to find episodes and interact with the show. Thanks for listening to Mysterious Creations, and maybe we'll see you soon in the uh, paranormal patio. Do you like records? Well, Turntable is the best. The owner knows his stuff and can help you find anything you might need. You might even see some famous people there as band members drop in from time to time to check out what he's got. He has posters, CDs, and much more. If it's something rare that you're looking for, he probably has it in stock or knows where to get it. So drop by or give him a call. That's Turntable Records, Fantan Alley, Victoria, BC. And the phone number is 250-382-5543. That's 250-382-5543. Welcome back. What's the the most significant hurdle you have had in trying to get people to recognize two-spirit people in your community? Oh, a lot of, a lot of, um, well, it's getting better now. But before it was really hard to get anywhere because nobody wouldn't accept gays and lesbians in Thunder Bay. Never mind. Nishinaabe, but they wouldn't even accept white people that time. So that was the first hurdle. Then when they started to accept the white people, then we, then I came out with white people. One time there was a battle. We had a battle against something. Uh, People were, were fighting for our welcome ship. It's called in, in Thunder Bay where people go for ride on the boat and uh, you can rent it. Or you can go on and uh, pay and they'll drive you around. But so we decided to rent a ship that was a bunch of gays and lesbians did that. They were white people. I was part of it, but they didn't, uh, I didn't make that much difference because I was native. So, but anyway, they took me and they said, we're going to go and celebrate our first year anniversary, which was the anniversary of uh, AA to AA for the first time alcoholic uh, gay people. First time they did they did gay meetings. People been secretly going to meetings, but they wouldn't admit they were gay or anything. But this was a biggie, and we were cer- we were they were celebrating their first year anniversary with the being gay and and going to an AA meeting. So we rented the. Uh, welcome ship 
And then when we got to the welcome ship landing to get our to get on our boat, the people said, "No, we don't want no gays and lesbians in in our boats." We changed our minds. Here's your money back, and so we fought it. And we got CBC and got a bunch of uh, headline news. Yeah, to let them know what they did to Thunder Bay, and and then that's when I came out publicly. It was through through that part, and uh, when they were asking questions, they asked me some questions, and they asked me, "Are you gay?" And I said, "Yeah," <laughs> and that's you know I admitted in admitted it in front of public. So I came out and I stayed out and I. I didn't try to go back and but I got beat up for being gay from my own First Nations people. Yes. It was five of them. They beat the crap out of me. And then later on, down the road, six months down the road, I got beat up by six white women. They beat the crap out of me. So I left after that for a year. I left. I went somewhere else. Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. And then I came back to the Thunder Bay again after a year later. People didn't mind me and they didn't talk to me. They just didn't want to be friends with me anymore. I lost a lot of my friends. And a lot of them were in sobriety too. And they weren't very nice either. So I just kind of hung out all by myself and hung out with the gays and lesbians because that's who I felt safe with. They were accepting of you. So yeah. And then 1988 was another time we try out to come out as gays and lesbians. This time it worked. We came out as lesbians and I did a lot of speaking that time. I was, I spoke out what I needed to speak out about being gay and about what it was like to live in Thunder Bay and all the harassments that we were getting for who we are, which was really nice. For me, it was nice to, to tell them that and then uh, that boosted up everything for us and a lot of people you know started accepting all the Anishinaabegs quit going to Toronto quit going to Winnipeg quit going to Vancouver to come out because that's the only places they would come out they started coming out in Thunder Bay then they didn't have to move to go be gay somewhere else they could be themselves yeah and and I said to myself, oh, that's because I did it. And now I got people to fight and relax with me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. What what's happened since since the eighties? Like, has has things become better? In the eighties, yeah. In the eighties was good, and nineties was really good. People started to honor the people in pride and then 2000 we had our first pride and stuff like that and people were welcomed and I came out and uh, I did some drag shows my first drag show in Thunder Bay and then I did another drag show in Montreal and then I came back I did one more drag show in Thunder Bay and that's what I've been doing <laughs> it's great yeah it was good. And then I, I did drive through, through somewhere else. I think it was Manitoba, Winnipeg, Manitoba. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. 
you said that uh, you did a lot of activism. Was it mostly to do with uh, gay and lesbian rights and, and that sort of thing? No, housing rights. I did some housing rights and uh, a family family crisis yeah. rights. Family who is being denied of housing or also families that have been denied from getting general welfare or whatever. Yeah, I did a lot of those stuff. Mostly right. just on phone or I would go to their office and threaten them. <laughs> And and now and now what are you what are you up to? Oh now oh I got a lot of youth following me. I have lots of youth following me from Nova Scotia to the end of the other place. Where wherever I go, there's always a whole crowd of young people trying to meet me and talk with me and spend time with me and. And also just when we do activism here in Thunder Bay, they come from all over. And then when I do activism in Toronto, I did a led a lot of lot of activism there too. So okay. I have lots of places wherever I go and there happens to be something going on, I'm right there like a dirty shirt. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're having fun and, and doing things that help. Yeah, in a way. I just believe in I just believe in things what the native people tell me or the business native people tell me what's happening to them. So I just always believe that well we ha- we have we should just get together and let's fight it. Why talk about it? Well, you know, that's what I always tell my people. Why talk about it? Let's do something about it. In in the artwork that you do, uh, do you put a lot of your feelings and his, history into that? Some of them, yeah. Some of them I haven't shown. I have shown a few of them on my on my webpage, but I don't show a lot of it. I just show certain parts or certain parts of them. I have 60 painting that represents my journey of my life walking from the time that I remember the way it was and how it was with me. It's with the book. But it's not, there's no 60 paintings in the book. It's just that 60, I did 60 prior, and then I took some some paintings off there. People took it, put it in the book, you know. And those were the ones that I showed that, that, that really represent what I do and who I was about. My art Excellent. is not, uh, it's not like uh, other people's art. Mine is a little bit. I don't want to do anything same as everybody. I do work with certain animals, sometimes bear, sometimes wolf, it all depends. Sometimes deer. I just create my own, whatever I get. You know, when I talk to Manitou, I always say, Manitou is my great spirit. I always say, okay, I'm going to bed tonight and I want you to guide me for tomorrow's artwork I'm going to do. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, I wake up and I have this vision that I have to do. So I just jump out of bed, sketch it out, and then go back to sleep. And then I work on it later. Because uh, it to me, that's when somebody's speaking to me and telling me, hey, you got to do this. 
That's how I feel. You know, and I, I trust that because it's not me creating it. It's somebody who is creating it for me. Somebody who I don't see, somebody who I cannot touch. And I think it's that higher power, whatever you want to call it, the God or whatever it is, is the one that's passing that information to me. I don't mind sharing the pic once once the information is in my head, like the ones I shared already, I'm fine to talk about those ones, but I can't talk about the ones that haven't been. Some of them I'm using as storytelling, which I will be sharing down the road. And it's for, it's for the kids that I'm going to work with. And uh, I really enjoy these kids, young people. And uh, I always feel these young people anywhere, I work with anywhere from 13 to 35 or 39 year old people. So that's, those are the people that I work with. And they're so much easier. Like if I stop and listen to them when they talk about things and they come and talk to me, it is really, to me, it's really, really important to be there for them because they're the ones that are going to be taking over my life when I get old and can't do anything anymore. They'll be doing the walk that I'm doing. That's why I, I guess that's why I'm very much interested in the young people, the youth and the young. That's what I like working with because to me, they make more sense. And if I can give them all the information that I know, they will deliver that with the younger crew later. On the island, they're very open about culture and, and that here. Uh, is there a way for that to be done? Oh, definitely. Where you're We're at? doing it right now. Like last, I'll give you an example. Uh, last week, the youth invited me to go watch them, to go listen to them and to go talk to them at the Waverly Park, it's called. And they sat there and they they did some art, they did art stuff. And, and they wanted me to walk with them on the day of the Canada Day. We canceled Canada Day, so instead of canceling can instead of doing Canada Day, we celebrated the babies, the children that was found in BC and all over the all over across Canada. They will find them. So we celebrated those kids to come home and to remember them. We did the same here. Uh, my my wife and I uh, we uh, we both wore uh, orange, and yeah. yeah, we did that too. Yeah, uh, you should have seen all the orange that was walking. I was the leader, and everybody was behind. A lot of people came and joined us. It was over five hundred people showed up. That was Excellent. nice for us. For any anything we ever did, that's the biggest number we've ever got when we're doing the parade. It was awesome. It's important. Yeah. And, and I think the those children children's lives being lost, it, it it's a tragedy. And we need to stand together and, and say this sort of thing can never happen yeah. again. And also to acknowledge them that they died for no reason. 
they died yeah. for you know they died for nothing because of of uh, prejudice communities remove them from their communities and you have to do this or otherwise you know that's the part that's the part that I was a little bit angry at my old uh, the history of the our First Nations people, the ones that signed treaty, they signed a bunch of stuff they didn't even know what they were signing. They didn't understand the language of what they were signing. Either. I know. Yeah, and that really, that's what really got to me that when I was thinking about it, uh, thinking like my grandmother was right when she said, we made a big mess of Canada. Canada is... Like when the Canada Day was coming every year before she died, she told us, people are celebrating Canada Day, but that's not your celebration, she told me. And I said, oh, how come? Well, that's the day of today. That's the day of, she said, the day that Canada Day is celebrated is for the people that came to arrive in Canada, they took over our land. She said, they took over your land. She said, they took over everything. Why would you want to celebrate that? She told me. <laughs> but yeah. which was true because the school was celebrating something. And then over the years, I heard all the elders talk about those kind of things. Why are we celebrating? We don't have to celebrate Canada Day. And I, I did agree, but I went to, to these places, even when I was in Thunder Bay, people weren't really celebrating Canada Day. Some Native people weren't. But I went to these places because I wanted to go shopping and buy things that I never saw what they, you know, how people bring their stuff, they come out and show their, what they have, and they sell things, and it's like they do in gay gay pride meeting and gay pride. They have all these little put up tents put up with their stuff on there. So that's what I was doing. I didn't go there to celebrate Canada Day. <laughs> I never did with my kids. I told them that it wasn't ours to celebrate. It was the white way celebration. I said to say, to be nice. That's how I would say it was a white way to celebrate it. I didn't tell them the bad things about it because I didn't want to sound, I let it go already, you know? I don't want to be resentful. I don't want my kids to pick, to pick that up. Yeah, I wanted them to grow up loving everybody just like I've been doing, no matter what happens. Yeah, it comes down to being able to love each other yeah. and to uh, commute, live together and be be at peace with each other. Someday we're going to have to. You know, someday we're going to have to do that to be together because we don't know what other people is going to do to Canada. Um, is there any projects that, that you're working on right now? Right now, no, I'm sort of, um, I'm planning a trip from Thunder Bay to Curve Lake Ontario Reserve. I've been asked to be part of uh, Curve Lake Pride. And they said they're going to come and get me. So they're going to drive to my city and pick me up and take me there. <laughs> yeah. And 
I don't mind that. So you're going going yeah, to a pride I'm parade. I'm leading the pride. I loved talking to you today. Um, I'm not going to keep you much longer because it is hot, and I don't want to to stress you out. Um, thank you very much for coming on with me. Mm-hmm. When, uh... That was my talk with Manet Chikabe. She is a great artist and activist. It was a great honor to talk to her and discuss her life and the experiences she's had. I hope that you've learned much from this. Please like, follow, and subscribe, and we'll see you soon.